Hello, Rebels. Today I take you through the leftward race of all the political parties in the country, especially the NDP and the Green Party. And I show you that it's not just socialism and it's not just green extremism. I hate to say it, I think it's anti Semitism too, uh, pro Islamism. And I think it's fed not just by ideology, but by demographics. I think all these politicians on the left can count. And they're pandering to anti-Semitic immigration. I know that's a little bit politically incorrect to say, but I'll try and make my case to you in the podcast ahead. Before I do, can I invite you to become a video subscriber so you can see the video version of these podcasts? Do so by becoming a premium member at premium.rebelnews.com. Premium.rebelnews.com. All right, here's the podcast. Tonight, Canada's NDP and Green parties are transforming into European-style anti-Semitic parties. It's because of anti-Semitic immigration, and it's going to get worse. It's November 5th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Yesterday, Elizabeth May announced that she's going to step down as the Green Party's leader. She'll remain its leader in the House of Commons. There are two other Green MPs now, but the party itself will elect a new leader. Now, Elizabeth May is only 65. I don't sense that she's done yet. I suppose it's smart to begin the transition now, right after an election, then right before the next one. Whoever takes over will likely be overshadowed by her, though, since they probably won't have a seat, at least for four years, unless I guess it's one of the other two MPs. Part of me, the part that knows Elizabeth May's past and her political scheming, I actually think that she has a collateral plan here, perhaps some sort of deal, worked out with Justin Trudeau, I don't know, to appoint her to something. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if she tried to run for Speaker of the House. I don't think she'd have a chance of winning that in a secret ballot with MPs. She's too kooky. And the last place you want someone kooky is the Speaker of the House. Uh, more likely, she'll get some international global warming job from Trudeau. You know, the type that jets around a lot. It's almost all of them, actually. It's win-win, though. May feels important and gets more free money, the story of her life. And Trudeau can say he's doing something green, and it gets her out of the country and stops any future liberal vote splitting from uh, the Liberal Party to the Greens. Maybe. Just brainstorming. One thing is for sure, the Green Party, and indeed all the parties on the left in Canada, the NDP, that small party in Quebec called Quebec Solidaire, and even much of the Liberal Party of Canada is moving hard left wing, not just economically, not just on global warming. Of course they are, they're all socialists now. But I mean, they're becoming radical on social and cultural issues. They support Antifa violence and deplatforming, for example. They even support terrorist groups, or almost. And they're increasingly proudly anti-Semitic. It, it's not even a hatred that needs to be disguised anymore. 
they're sort of proud of it because they know demographically speaking, being anti-Semitic is a net vote getter given mass immigration to Canada from anti-Semitic countries. I think people say things when they're drunk that are true, but that they know better not to say when they're sober. Here's Elizabeth May praising Omar Khadr a few years back. Remember this? Do you guys remember the same song? Welcome back. Who knew Khadr was spelled K-H-A-D-R? Welcome back, Omar Khadr. It matters to say it. Welcome back, Omar Khadr, you're home. There's a lot unusual about your speech, Liz, but we're going to take off. Omar Khadr, you've got more class than the whole f***ing cabinet. Thank you. Oh, my God, that's cringeworthy. Uh, you know, that was a little bit shocking when she said it, but I don't even think that's radical anymore to our media class, our political class. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw it, but during the election campaign, our David Menzies asked Elizabeth May about that. And she implied, oh, it's just a joke. Yeah, sure it was. Ms. May, uh, David Menzies with uh, Rebel News. Ms. May, in 2015, you stated that convicted terrorist Omar Khadr had more class than the entire effing conservative cabinet under Stephen Harper. Do you still believe in 2019 that this convicted terrorist has more class than the entire conservative party under Andrew Scheer? Have you ever been to a press gallery dinner? Do you yes. understand the concept of it being ridiculous with lots of humor? I'm sorry, that's not a real question. Oh, sorry, if, if this was an attempt at humor, supplemental question, do you think that the widow and the, fatherless children and the fatherless children of Christopher Spear, his murder victim, do you think they found that funny, Miss May? I don't think you understand the concept of press gallery dinner skits, but I will say this. There's very, uh, there's very questionable evidence that Omar Khadr committed the crime of which he was accused. It was at the disposal, it was the decision of the U.S. military to describe something that was in a war zone as terrorism, when in the common sense understanding of the word terrorism, it wasn't. And I recommend to you the journalism of Sandy Garasino, who has produced a photograph that makes it quite clear that at the moment that Mr. Khadr was supposed to have been able to throw a grenade, he was under a pile of rubble. The whole question is very fraught with historical revisionism and we're not that far into our history. We also know that his rights were violated because he was a child at the time that his parents took him into, that his father took him into a war zone. There's a lot wrong with that story. Now that's just made up, by the way. That's a conspiracy theory. Uh, Omar Khadr was tried and convicted in a court by a jury. She just made that up. She's, she's nuts. But if you think that's not well, her caucus, holy cow, they make her look sane. Her, her Nanaimo MP is so radical that he was banned from running for the NDP. No problem. The Greens have no outer boundary and certainly no media scrutiny, do they? Other than the rebel, maybe. But the trouble is Canada's changing demographics aren't punishing that move to radicalism especially the embrace of Islamism or anti-Semitism and even sometimes pro-terrorism. Because if you bring in one million migrants from countries where terrorism is sort of normal or even praised as heroic, don't be surprised if 
they bring those values with them to Canada and then politicians court them on that basis. Let me give you an example of how anti-Semitic immigration just changes what's normal, the Overton window of acceptable social conduct. I don't know if you saw David Menzies' interview with the Jewish rabbi in Georgina, Ontario the other day. There was a Muslim immigrant to Canada named Saeed Ahmed who vandalized a Jewish synagogue's property and posted Nazi images on, on their Facebook page. But the crazy thing is he, he didn't hide it. He, he didn't do it in the dark. He came right to the door of the Jewish rabbi and told him, yeah, it was him. He introduced himself as Saeed Ahmed, um, and we, he wanted to come inside, explain to him that there were no services um, at the time. He um, still didn't understand why he can't come inside. I tried telling him that there, unfortunately right now you can't come inside and you'll have to come back and you'll have to leave. You come back another time, but right now it's closed. Right now there's nothing to come inside for. He didn't really understand that. Um, he kept insisting to come inside. At the same time, I also asked him, by the way, by any chance were you here last week? And he said yes. And he actually admitted to uh, defacing the sign and going to my backyard as well on, my pro on our property. But why wouldn't? The man just come right up and, and say that and do that. I mean, nobody ever told him that's not how you do things in Canada. We didn't have a values test before we brought over a million people from Jew-hating countries. And don't think that they're not Christian haters, too. How many churches have been torched or vandalized or smashed in Canada in just the past few years by rather excitable new immigrants who come from places where Christianity is hated, from both the mosques and the government. I just can't get over the brazenness, because why not? There has never been a Muslim migrant charged under a Human Rights Commission for promoting hatred in Canada. All the time we see headlines about radical mosques run by radical imams, all of whom are immigrants, saying hateful things, even calling for the murder of Jews and Christians sometimes, and never even a human rights complaint let alone a criminal prosecution, because that's politically acceptable now. Not just acceptable, there's a lot of votes there. I'm still waiting for Justin Trudeau to tweet about that synagogue vandalism in Georgina. It ain't coming, folks. But my point is, that's where the parties of the left are going. They can't balance the budget, but they can actually do math. Did you see this video of a Somali migrant to the U.S. who is running in Ohio? And his campaign promotions are in Somali. I mean, of course they are. Now, Ahmed Hassan, our immigration minister does the same thing in Toronto, in the riding of York Southwestern. Here he is campaigning in Somali to a Somali ghetto that he helped create with his mass Somali immigration. And Canada 
Are you surprised by that? The only thing surprising to me is that there's still a Canadian flag there. If you're not a Somali candidate, you have zero chance of getting those votes from those voters. Zero. It's ethnically based, clan based, tribally based, just like back in Somalia. There's no integration. Do you really think that Ahmed Hassan's conservative opponent, this woman, Jasmine Rattan, had a chance? Now, she's an immigrant to Canada, too, by the way, but she's fully integrated, well-educated, but a Somali neighborhood that is unassimilated is not going to vote for her or someone like her. That's why Ilhan Omar, Ahmed Hassan's friend, got elected to represent Minnesota's Somali ghetto, too. That's just how it is going to be. I'm just making an obvious observation here. The kind of politics needed to win in York, York Southwestern have changed a bit. I mean, 40 years ago, uh, it was the riding of this Irish-Italian gal, Ursula Apolloni, and then John Nunziata. Now it's the riding of Ahmed Hassan, and it pretty much will be until he dies. I don't think Ahmed Hassan himself is anti-Semitic. I've seen no evidence of that directly, but he sure hangs out with people who are. That's Ilhan Omar there. And by the way, so does Justin Trudeau. Omar al-Jabra, the former head of the Canadian Arab Federation, literally lobbied to legalize two terrorist groups, Hamas and Hezbollah. Trudeau, who gave $10.5 million to Omar Khadr, the al-Qaeda murderer, and actually to four other Islamists too, Ikra Khalid from Pakistan, bringing in Pakistani-style anti-Islamophobia, anti-blasphemy motions and soon policies and laws. That's where the left of center Canadian politics is and is going. Imagine where the actual left of Canadian politics is. That's the liberals, but what about the hard left? That was the left center, the liberals. Here's the NDP today. Uh, he's an elected member of the provincial parliament from Ontario's legislature. He's from Ottawa. Um, and he says, saddened, sickened, and disgusted by the continued abuse of Khalida Jarrar, my parliamentary colleague by Israeli occupation forces. Christian Freeland, Justin Trudeau, we insist you demand her release immediately. And there's a lot going on in that short tweet there. An Ottawa politician calling someone in Ramallah a colleague. That Ottawa politician is sickened and disgusted by what he calls Israeli occupation forces. Really? But who is this Khalida Jarrar? Well, no big deal. She's just the member of a terrorist organization called the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. It's not just considered a terrorist group by Israel. It's a terrorist group here in Canada. Here's Canada's list of banned terror groups. You can find it online. It's on there just like Al-Qaeda is. Now, this woman, Khalida Jarrar, she's been arrested, tried, convicted, imprisoned multiple times. She's a criminal and a terrorist. Here's a little BBC backgrounder on the Popular Front for Liberation in Palestine, PFLP, if, if you don't know. Working with other groups, the PFLP pioneered aircraft hijackings as a high-profile means of drawing attention to their movement, most notably with the capture of an Air France plane en route from Paris to Athens in 1976. They're so glamorous. So that's who this NDP politician from Ontario is outraged about being arrested? And if you ask him about it, well, you're the hater. Here's what he says. This is Joel Harden. 
To those promulgating hate on this feed, know this. I am an elected Canadian politician, and I do not fear you. I am much more afraid of the silence from the Trudeau government, whose selective interest in human rights is more evident every day. What? Here's another one. If you are comfortable with the arbitrary arrest of Palestinians, that's your choice. But people who believe in human rights should defend them. And this guy Hardin, he's from Ottawa Centre, where the second largest religion is Islam because of immigration. He's anti-Israel because he's a leftist for sure. But he's no dummy. He can count votes. And like I say, the Greens actually run candidates that are too crazy for even the NDP. So what does this all look like five or ten years from now? Or in just three years, I guess. Ahmed Hassan has said he's going to bring in more than one million new migrants to Canada in the next three years. More than a million. How many synagogues are going to be graffitied then? How many churches will be torched then? Will that even be reported anymore? Will police even investigate anymore? Or will it be like in the UK, where the few people upset about things out loud, like Tommy Robinson, they're the ones arrested because it's easier. Here's the Green Party deputy leader in the UK from a few years back. I, I know I've shown this before. It's just amazing to me. He's not some white leftist trying to get the anti-Semitic vote. He's a Muslim leftist who is getting the anti-Semitic vote, the Muslim vote, and the guilty white leftist eco-votes too. Listen to this guy. Just because your God tells you to stand here does not give you the right to push us aside. be upon you. That's pretty crazy. But I think Quebec Solidaire is out there right now, and the Green Party is about one inch from there right now. But it's actually so much worse than that. Look at this clip of Jeremy Corbyn. He's the leader of the opposition, and he could be the next British Prime Minister in a matter of weeks. Watch this. This is a collection of his greatest hits. Uh, put together in one video by a group called Turning Point. Just watch for a minute. Where our friends from Hezbollah will be speaking. I also invited um, friends from Hamas to come and speak as well. And the idea that an organization that is dedicated towards the good of the Palestinian people and bringing about long-term peace and social justice and political justice in the whole region should be labelled as a terrorist organisation by the British government is really a big, big historical mistake. Do you condemn what the IRA did? I 
condemn all bombing. It's not a good idea. It's terrible what happened. It's not and, the question. Uh, the question is, do you uh, condemn what the IRA did? Look, I condemn what was done by the British Army as well as by other sides as well. Are you refusing to condemn what the IRA did? Jeremy. I think yeah. we have to do this later, you know. Okay, well let me let me just let me just this last question while it's quiet there. Are you refusing to condemn what the IRA did? Hmm. So that's Jeremy Corbyn. He's the leading politician on the left in the UK today. Could be Prime Minister. I think that's the Green Party in about five minutes in Canada, the NDP in Canada maybe a day or two from now. And really, after a few more years of Ahmed Hassan's mass anti-Semitic immigration, much longer till that's Canada too. Stay with us for more. Another blockbuster video from our friends at Project Veritas. Here, take a look at this, and then we'll talk to the executive director over there. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story, and then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for twelve years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail and now it's all coming out and it's like these new revelations and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my God, we, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney three years ago saying like, aunt, like, we, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And I had it all three years ago. That's an unbelievable clip obtained by Project Veritas. They call it a hot mic clip because, of course, her microphone was on. That's Amy Roback. She's not some nobody. She's not some uh, radical fringe. She is the co-host of ABC's premiere show, 2020. And there she was, just in a commercial break, I presume, spilling the beans on how ABC buried the story. They had meticulous reporting. This insider video leaked to Project Veritas. Now, our friend James O'Keefe is otherwise indisposed right now, probably, spreading the word about the hottest story in America. So joining us now is his able executive director, Russell Verney, who joins us now from their New York headquarters. Russell, thank you very much for joining us today. That was incredible, but the most incredible thing was they had it and they didn't use it. Uh, let me first say that it's a pleasure to be on with you and an honor to visit with all of your viewers. This is a remarkable story. Amy Robach, in an unguarded moment, uh, in her own words, 
talks about how she had one of the most devastating stories imaginable. And she had it three years ago. And the network said, well, we don't even know who Jerry, Jeffrey Epstein is. And they ridiculed her and wouldn't put it on. Uh, three years goes by. Of course, Jeffrey Epstein gets indicted. He gets arrested. He uh, uh, had suicide committed. Um, either by himself or somebody else. Uh, uh, Robach says right in this video that she doesn't believe it was suicide. She believes that he was killed. Um, but she had this whole story. ABC News squashed the story. They wouldn't put it on. Today they come out with a mealy mouth statement saying that, you know, we've, we've kept up with the story all along. Well, after three years, they have not published one word about what Amy Robach discovered three years ago. And now they're saying that give us three more months and we'll come up with a documentary and some blog posts about this. Uh, three years and three months just to, just to finish a couple of interviews is a little uh, outrageous. They killed the story. And they killed it because, as Amy Robach says in the tape, uh, there was information about the uh, um, royalty in, in, in London. And they put a lot of pressure on ABC, and ABC felt they wouldn't get to have interviews with uh, Prince William and Kate, and so they, the, the, the story got canceled that way. But she claims that she had information on Bill Clinton, and she mentions Alan Dershowitz was on one of the planes. She doesn't necessarily accuse him of anything, but she's raising big names, and somehow... ABC failed to recognize there was a valuable story in what an attorney back at the time, Mr. Edwards, said is probably uncovering the greatest uh, horrific pedophile the country has ever known, Jeffrey Epstein. ABC News couldn't find their way to publish in the story. This so there was incredible. pressure applied someplace. Yeah. Well, here, uh, you mentioned that ABC put out a, uh, a response today. Let me read it. ABC News statement at the time, not all of our reporting met our standards to air, but we have never stopped investigating the story ever since. We've had a team on this investigation and substantial resources dedicated to it. The work has led to a two-hour documentary and six-part podcast that will air in the new year. <laughs> but, you know, what's even more incredible is uh, Roback's statement. Let me show you that. Now, this is quite lengthy, but let me just read part of it. Uh, as a journalist, as the Epstein story continued to unfold last summer, I was caught in a private moment of frustration. I was upset that an important interview I conducted with Virginia Roberts didn't air because we could not obtain sufficient corroborating evidence to meet ABC's editorial standards about her allegations. My comments about Prince Andrew and her allegation that she had seen Bill Clinton on Epstein's private island were in reference to what Virginia Roberts said in that interview in 2015. I won't read the whole thing, but... It, it was not a private moment. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't speaking emotionally. Or, I mean, frustration, sure, but she was with, she was in the office with her staff. The cameras weren't broadcasting. Obviously, they were recording her, but she was not speaking in a moment of rage. She gave meticulous details, explanations, dotted eyes, made connections. That was a lucid, calm reporter used to investigating who, yeah, was frustrated because ABC killed her story. I don't find either Amy Roback's statement or ABC's statement addressing 
the bombshells that the original videotape has. What do you think? Well, it sort of gives you the feeling of a, a watching a, a cat trying to bury its mess in a hardwood floor. Huh. You know, no matter how hard they work, they're not going to do it. Uh, Amy Roback, in an unguarded moment, uh, it, whether it was frustration or whatever, she emptied her feelings about the work she had invested in this story, how much she had accomplished. And in three years since then, ABC, in spite of all their resources, couldn't do any follow-up interviews with any of the other victims in order to corroborate this story and put it on the air. They buried the story. It was plain and simple, buried by ABC. We want to know why. Why, ABC, did you bury the story? Who put pressure on you? What did you get in return for burying the story? Well, we heard that one part about, uh, it sounds like a decision made by the grand poobahs there that um, they would rather get a you know, human interest interview with Prince Charming, you know, uh, Will and Kate, than have an, uh, an ugly story about another prince. So they made that calculation. I wouldn't be surprised if George Stephanopoulos, a former Clinton uh, high up, uh, helped bury the story too. That's just speculation on my part. And that's all we have because we don't know what's going on. Let me play the second clip that you guys at Project Veritas released to the world today. It's uh, Roback's reaction to Epstein, quote, killing himself. And I, I have to say, I don't know any uh, uh, heavy news consumer, someone who follows news closely, that believes that's the full story. Here, take a look at this. So do I think he was killed? A hundred percent. Yes, I do. Because you want he made his whole living blackmailing people. Yeah. For a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. I knew immediately. <clears throat> and they made it seem as though he made that suicide attempt two weeks earlier, but his lawyers claimed that he was roughed up by his cellmate around the neck, that was all like to plant the seed. And then that's why I really believe it, like really believe it. Now, Russell, I just checked Amy Roback's Twitter feed and she hasn't said a word about this. That statement that was released officially, probably drafted by ABC high ups. The thing is, we saw her calm in her elements casually outlining her facts and her beliefs. You use the phrase unguarded, you're exactly right, but, but she was actually on her game. Like she, she sounded not too dissimilar to how she would sound if she was telling the story to the world. I don't know how she can put that toothpaste back in the tube. Well, I don't think you can. I think they just put lipstick on the pig and <laughs> tell you it's something different. But it, it, it is a, truly an unguarded moment from a very professional woman very accomplished as a news reporter, as a breaking news reporter, as an investigative reporter. She did an investigation into Jeffrey Epstein three years ago, got convinced one of the victims to come forward after she had been in hiding for 12 years, got her to do interviews, had more leads to follow up on, 
and the ABC killed the story. Now, uh, who who did it and why they did it? I think is something that needs to be uh, discovered as we as we move forward here. Um, you can't just spike stories because they're uncomfortable to important people. You know, and, and and Amy talks about the number of people that were on the planes. Um, so we don't know who they all are, but the young women who were there at the time, they know who most of them are, and further interviews would reveal it. And maybe that would give us a clue as to who's putting pressure on whom in order to kill this story at ABC News. And we already know that um, you know, Ronan Farrow's story was, was suppressed for a while. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on people not to report about the uh, pedophilia acts of Jeffrey Epstein over the years. And we need to get to the bottom of that story. Yeah. You know, one of the things that made me laugh, uh, not a happy laugh, but a, a sick laugh, was that ABC said, oh, their reportage was not up to their standards. And I just think of all the gossip and rumor and, and misinformation that ABC and the rest of the media party retail all the time, whether it's taking on Justice Kavanaugh for a beer he had in high school, or their smear on the Covington Catholic school kids, or even the Russia collusion theme, they'll run with anything. And here they're saying, oh, no, 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 we, we absolutely, this wasn't up to our uh, ed editorial standards when they had an actual witness, as you say, coming in from the cold. I, the, the, the trouble with this case, Russell, is that it confirms all the skeptics' worst fears. And people used to say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist if you think this is happening. But we just saw with our own eyes what a real reporter really said when she was speaking honestly, and we're supposed to believe the cover-up instead. I tell you, if anyone is, is creating distrust in the media, it's this censorship and self-censorship and this cover-up. Last word to you, Russell. The last word I have is that there's something more here. If they, this wasn't up to the standards of ABC's news reporting three years ago, they did nothing during the ensuing three years to bring it up to their standards. They abandoned the story. Who caused that to be abandoned? Who killed this story? Why was it killed? I think ABC officials need to come forward and need to be transparent with the public about what happened with this story. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, thank you. I know you have an incredibly busy day today. Our friend James O'Keefe is probably doing 10 interviews uh, an hour. So thank you, Russell, Executive Director of Project Veritas for stepping in for our old friend. Give our best regards to James and good luck to your whole team. Congratulations. The fact that you have earned the trust of this ABC insider that they chose to leak it to you shows that they know you will let the truth come to light. So congratulations and keep up the fight down there. Thank you very much. And folks can go to projectveritas.com for more on the story. All right, there you have it, projectveritas.com. We've been talking with Russell Verney, the executive director of Project Veritas. Of course, we regularly talk with James O'Keefe as well. Stay with us, more ahead. On my monologue yesterday about CBC mocking Western alienation, Liz writes, I watched the whole thing and the ignorance was astounding. Maybe it isn't ignorance of the facts, but it is a spin on the fact that is deliberate poisoning of the waters. 
No, I think that, um, that Martin Patrican, the, the liberal journalist from Montreal, I think he's a bit of an anti-Alberta bigot, frankly. I've, I've known him a little bit over the, the years. I think that idiot from St. John is just so smug and such a know-it-all. And I really don't think he spent a week of his life in the West. I think he's just wrote the perfect, it was like in, in a laboratory, if you created the perfect CBC mush of, hey, why don't you vent your anger? And that anger is because of your fear. And I know you're afraid. And let me, like just the, the condescension, that was just so, you had to scientifically engineer that kind of condescension and, and self-righteousness matched with factual wrongness. That was just chef's kiss. Perfect. Unbelievable. Um, Martin Patrick, which is more of a bigot. I think that that guy Raymond Critch was just dumb. Paul writes, both were the CBC though. Paul writes, Western alienation is foolish, overly emotional, or based on a lie. That actually sounds more like the CBC's standard operating policy. Yeah. Um, I think that they truly believe Albertans are what that Raymond Critch said, that the Albertans are uh, racist because they're white, even though Calgary's the one with the brown gay Muslim mayor in Toronto has got this patrician loser, John Tory. I mean, who's, I, I don't even think that if you tried to match on all your checking the boxes of who's more politically correct or not, I don't think that Toronto would beat Calgary, but the CBC loves to see Calgary and Alberta and Edmonton as, as bigoted, as transphobic, as xenophobic, um, as dumb, even though Alberta has the highest education, post-secondary education level in the country. I think they see Alberta as um, anti-science uh, when they're the ones peddling junk science. So yeah, I think the CBC's awful. Maurice writes, I just talked to my sister in Vernon, BC. Apparently there's a large appetite for Western Canada separation in the BC Southern Interior as well. Well, I think I might have mentioned this before when I ran that magazine a decade ago called The Western Standard. We had a columnist named Rick Dolphin who um, had this dream of a new independent country that was Alberta plus the BC interior. Because if you've ever been to Alberta and just go a little bit west into BC, Golden, you know, Revelstoke, whatever, pretty Albertan. You don't really get that Vancouver vibe till you're right down in Surrey or whatnot and uh, past Chilliwack. And so my friend Rick Dolphin would write longingly for this new country, and he gave it a funny name on purpose. He called it Albumbia. It's a blend of Alberta and British Columbia. He called it Albumbia. And he really took a lot of time daydreaming about Albumbia. He even, I think, started to write the Albumbian anthem. And it was all funny, and we all had a good laugh, and we were called the Western Standard, so we thought it was fun. But I should dust off some of those old columns, old columns about Albumbia. And maybe I should, uh, he wrote the words, maybe I should try and get someone to write the musical score. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields, or something. I don't know, I don't remember it, but uh, I don't know, Albumbia. It sounds a little gluteal, but uh, we'll work on it. That's the show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.